0: 1 Kings chapter number 17. If you came for a Christmas message, I'm sorry. That's not what you're going to get this morning. But uh, I believe this is what the Lord would have for us. And it blessed my heart. This is a story I've read often. And uh, God just spoke to my heart once again about it. 1 Kings chapter number 17. I want to encourage you to be here tonight for the Christmas dinner for two reasons. Number one, you'll get a blessing out of that. And we're going to have a good time in the Lord. Number two, if you're here, that's more food. Amen? So I want you to be sure and be here this evening and uh, be here in support of your church and honoring the Lord and also for a blessing for yourself. First Kings chapter 17. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. Now, our story doesn't begin until verse number 8, but I believe it's good to read this for context. Uh, it says in verse number 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. It shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Now this is where our narrative begins. Pay extra close attention. And the word of the Lord came unto him, unto Elijah saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me, and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which He spake by Elijah. I want you to look with me at verse number uh, 12, and I want you to notice our title this morning. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful full of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son. Now, here's our title. It may make you a little nervous since we've got a dinner tonight, but maybe you'll remember it, that we may eat it and die. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I'd ask that You'd bless Your Word. Lord, I'm incapable in and of myself. God, I fail You on a daily basis. Lord, I'm thankful it's by grace that I stand here this morning. By grace that I'm saved, by grace that I preach, Lord, I'm thankful it's by grace that You speak to the hearts of Your people, for we do not deserve it. Lord, I pray if there's one here amongst us that's lost, undone, hopeless, helpless, bankrupt of any worth and any value, Lord, that's just who You're looking for this morning. You have a desire and heart to save them. You told us that. You're not willing that any should perish, and I pray that You'd show them their need of You that before they'd leave, they'd come to know You as their Savior. Lord, I pray if there's any here today that are toiling away in this life, not serving You, they know You, they're saved, but they're not serving You and they've not given to You their best, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day they'd surrender their lives to You. Father, do that which would give You the most glory and we'll be sure to praise and honor You for it. Father, we thank You and we love You. In Christ's name, Amen. You may find that a strange title for the message this morning, that we may eat it and die. But I believe in many ways that phrase sums up the life of this widow woman. We have once again what you might call a parenthetical statement. If, if I was to outline the book of First Kings in chapter 17, I'd tell you that this story is more about Elijah than it is about this widow woman. But God has a way of uh, teaching us multiple things at the same time. And whenever we look at this widow woman, there's some incredible things about it. The book of Luke uh, emphasizes the fact that this woman was not a Jewish woman. She was a Gentile woman. You say, what's the significance of that? I believe it's highly significant. In a time when God was dealing with the Jewish people, still He had His eternal heart and His eternal mind on this little widow woman. The Jews are uh, God's elect people. There are certain privileges that the Jewish people have as an earthly people and as God's people uh, that are not necessarily conditional on how they live and how they act. And in this time frame, there were certain things committed to the Jews that were extraordinary That. No other nationality had. The book of Romans tells us that the oracles of God were committed to them. The Word of God. And the Bible tells us that the commandments of God were given to them. Certainly the tabernacle and the temple were given to the Jewish people. And so it would be a natural thing that the Jews would know something of God. But here in this uh, northern border city of the nation of Israel is a little widow woman. And no one would ever guess that God would give a thought to her. But can I tell you this morning, that's the story of grace. Do you know that there's no reason to believe that God would look on me, but by grace He has? Do you know there's no reason that God should save you, but do you know that by grace He's done just that very thing? You see, this is an expression of God's grace No reason to look upon this woman. She was alienated from the nation of Israel. She was alienated from God's people. But still the heart of God looked upon her and said, that's someone that I care for. We find some interesting statements that this lady makes. And you know, the context here, of course, and we've already read it, is that the uh, nation of Israel is in a famine. The brooks are drying up. The cattle are dying. The crops are not growing. And here's this little woman. She's got no husband to care for. It's just her and her son by herself. And she's trying to gather and get two sticks to rub together, to start a fire, to make a final meal, so that her and her son can eat it and then just lay down and die. We look at this passage and think to ourselves, what a dismal... But we find that God's providence is all throughout this passage. Do you know even when it's darkest, the true light of this world is still present in your life as a believer? Do you know that even when sorrow grips your soul, the Savior has not forsaken you? We find in this passage that God had something big planned for this widow woman, but it took some things on her part to have these things realized in her life. This morning, I want to preach to you on one simple thought, and that's giving yourself first to Jesus Christ. This widow woman, we immediately see the providence of God in her life, and there's several ways, and if you're taking notes, you can jot these down. I want to say that we see that her angst that she was going through was by providence. You know, in many ways, when we hear the phrase that she uses, that we may eat it and die, we have a summary of what life in the flesh is really like. It seems so dismal. Here she is just waiting to die. But do you know there was a man whose wisdom was above all earthly wisdom by the name of Solomon? Solomon was the wealthiest man uh, in the world. He was the wisest man in the world. And uh, Solomon took underhand to search out what the pleasures of the flesh could do for him. He decided he was going to spare no expense, spare no effort. He was going to live life to the fullest. So Solomon goes and he buys servants and he uh, buys banquets and parties and food and wives and concubines. And after this little experiment, Solomon sits down to write about this adventure he's been through. And he sits down, and these are the words he uses in in, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. And I want you to listen carefully carefully. He says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. After all that life without God could offer Solomon, after he experienced everything that this world had to offer, Solomon's final pronouncement, his final judgment is that it's just vanity. I think in this little widow woman, we have a picture of, of a person that life has taken her as far as it could take her. You know, at the end of the day, and maybe I'm being a little bleak, I know it's the Christmas season, Brother Larry already mentioned it, enough people struggle with depression, but you you hang with me through the whole service, and it gets brighter before it's all said and done, I promise you. But in many ways, what she said sums up life. It's just living to survive. Just living to make a paycheck to buy a meal that you're going to eat and have to go to work and live and make another paycheck and buy another meal. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? Doesn't it feel sometimes like life is just an endless cycle of monotony? And if we could sum up what life for the lost man is, we might say it's just an exercise of survival making it day to day to day to day. I think in this woman, we see someone that was experiencing that. She had absolutely nothing to her name. She was about to starve to death. But aren't you thankful that when she was at her lowest, God showed up? Aren't you thankful that when you were at your lowest, God showed up? Aren't you thankful that when you recognized that in and of yourself, you did not have what it took to be happy and to find joy and to find peace. Aren't you thankful that God showed up? Maybe you're at that place this morning. Maybe you've come to that place in your life. Maybe you're discouraged, distraught, depressed, frustrated with the way life is. You're not alone. But I want to give you the answer this morning. We see providence in her life in the angst that she was going through. We see that God was bringing her to a place where she would listen to Elijah. Do you know what would have probably happened if Elijah had come by her house four years earlier? Probably she would have had plenty. She would have fed him a little cake, sent him on his way, and her life would have remained the same. She probably would have given no thought to this wandering preacher that came in uh, to her community, just uh, met his needs and then moved him along and it would not have changed her life. God had to bring her to a low place to get her to listen you know, it's tragic, but many times in my life, and I'm sure you could say this for your life too, God's had to bring us to low places to get us to listen. Our ears uh, grow uh, fat. Our eyes grow heavy. We're lulled lullaby to sleep by the comfort of this world. And sometimes God has to shake us to get us to listen. But can I promise you something? If you find yourself in the belly of a whale someday, it's only because God loves you. If you find yourself in a dark pit someday, it's only because God loves you. If you find yourself in a cave like David, it's only because God loves you. Everything God does, He does by providence. Nothing is accidental. Nothing is coincidence or happenstance. It's all intentional with God. And we find that this woman's angst that she was going through, it was foreordained of God. Uh, we find out who was behind the famine. God was behind the famine. Who was behind the punishment on the nation? God was behind the punishment upon the nation. And the truth of the matter is, uh, many times in our hardest times, it's God that's providing those sorrows to bring us to a place where we'll hear. We find that her angst was providential, but I want to say that her abode was providential. We find that this woman was located at just the right place for Elijah to show up. You know, it's interesting. She was a Gentile woman, but this place that she lived, Zarephath, the name of Zarephath, literally means a refinery for metals. A place where metals were tested and purified. Can I tell you what this life is? I mean, Just give me a moment. Let me just tell you what this life is. This life is a place for us to accept Christ and serve Him. That's what this life is is all about the bible speaks of our service for jesus christ and it says that we're building and what are we building with we're building with gold and silver and precious metals Uh, the bible talks about the trial of our faith and says that it's found to be much more precious than of gold this life let me clue us in now this life is not for our comfort this life is for our consecration The time between your birth and your death is not there just to have a good time. Now, we like to have a good time. Nothing wrong. I believe God's people ought to have the most fun of any people in the world. I believe they ought to be the most joyous people in the entire world. But can I tell you that the purpose of this life is not the satisfaction of the flesh, but it's the life of faith towards the Savior. We find that this woman was dwelling at a place that denoted what her life would entail. She was going through some tough times. She was being put through the fire. And she was placed in a place where her acquaintances could be by providence too. Can I say that I'm thankful that God brings people into our lives when we need them? You ever had someone show up in your life just when you needed them? Now, I know God did that, but I mean other than God. You ever had a friend that just showed up right when you needed them? you ever had a sibling that was just there for you in a way they had never been there before? We find that the people in our life that we meet, we meet for a purpose. There's nobody that you meet on accident. How many of you occasionally... How many of you all have landlines? Let me ask you. You still got landlines. All right. How many of you get wrong phone calls sometimes on those landlines? Do you know there's no such thing as wrong phone calls? Do you know the person on the other end of that line needs to hear about Jesus Christ? And we have a tendency sometimes to buy into this lie from the world that things happen by coincidence and happenstance. But we find that God brings those people in our lives for a particular purpose. You ever had somebody in your life that God just seemed to intertwine your daily lives in an unusual way? Have you ever had that happen? I've had that happen to me a neighbor move in next door, a co-worker at work, whoever it might be, and it just seems like God gives you an open door with that person. Why do you think God did that? Do you think He did that so you could go and watch ball games and spend time together so you could go to the races or so you could do this or do it? No, God did that so you could be a witness for Jesus Christ. We find that everything in this woman's life was brought about by providence. And can I say to you this morning, that if you're in a place of sorrow, Many times God will use the people that are around you to give you exactly what you need. But you know, providence is no good without purpose, and there's no such thing as providence without purpose. God does not determine to do something except He's got a reason for doing it. And we find that this woman finds not only the providence of God, but the purpose of God in her life as well. I find it very interesting. We see back in verse number 9, I want you to look at it with me. It says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath. Now, this is God talking to Elijah, which belongeth to Zidon and dwell there. And I want you to notice what it says. God says, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain me. God is revealing to Elijah that there is a divine purpose in this woman's life. Do you know that you and I have a divine purpose for our life? This woman was commanded of God. I don't know what that commandment entailed. I don't know if she understood it clearly. I don't know if God's just simply saying that He's purposed that this would be the case. But this I know that this woman was sent to Elijah for such a time as this. There was a specific job that this woman had for her life. God had purpose. God had something for her to do. You know that God has something for you and I to do, each and every one of us. There's something for us to do. There's a work that must be done. And it's divine. Your great purpose in life. Listen to me carefully. You know why we get caught in the rat race? Because we're running with the rodents. That's why we get caught in the rat race. Amen? We get caught in the rat race because that's what we make our be-all and end-all in our life. Now, I understand that you've got to work. I understand you've got to make bills. And notice that Elijah did not forbid the woman to make a cake for herself and for her son. He just said, make one for me first. God understands that you've got to provide for yourself. God's not asking everyone to leave their jobs or leave their families and go out and do this or do that. But let me tell you this. If you're living and you're not serving God, you're missing the whole purpose for your life. If you're living and you're not witnessing, if you're living and you're not growing in God, if you're living and you're not serving God, you've missed it all. There's divine purpose to your life. You may have to clock in, you may have to clock out. But let me tell you something. Just because we clock in as a coworker, that don't mean we clock out as a Christian. Did you know that? God has put you on your job for a reason. God has put you amongst your family for a reason. We're getting ready to come to Christmas time. I guess we've already came to Christmas time, haven't we? And you're going to see a lot of your family. I know you don't like it, but you are. (laughs) You're You're going to see a lot of your family. Do you have lost loved ones? You're probably not going to see them until next year. You're probably not going to see them. It'll be a year from now when you see them again. I want to ask you something. How many of you have lost a loved one in this past year? Sure. A lot can happen in a year, can't it? You've got loved ones. God's put you to cross their path for a reason this year. There's divine purpose in what's taking place in your life. But I want to say, secondly, that there was a devout purpose for this woman's life. A devout purpose. You say, what do you mean? This is where we really get to the meat of it. So I don't want you to miss this. Get this, buy buy everything. You can take a nap after this, okay? I'll be that nice to you, but I want you to get this. Elijah looked at the woman. She came to him. She's trying to find two sticks to rub together just to survive. And she came, Elijah said, I want you to go get me something to drink. She had plenty of water, so she didn't mind doing that. So she went and got him water and brought it back. Do you know that most Christians, the the extension of their service, the extent of it, the reach of their service is just doing what it doesn't bother them to do? Did you know that? Doing what's convenient doing what doesn't take sacrifice. She didn't mind to go get the water. She had plenty of water. She goes and gets the water and brings it to him. Elijah looks at her and says, All right, now I want you to go and bake a cake and bring it to me. And she says, You don't understand, Elijah. All I've got is enough for me and mine. All I've got is enough to survive. I don't have it to give. Elijah makes an interesting statement. He says, I want you to go and I want you to provide for your family. But first, I want you to give to me. This is what I want you to get if you don't get anything else this morning. The purpose in your life, your entire existence, ought to be given to Jesus Christ before it's given to anybody else. It's not that God doesn't understand you've got obligations. God's not dumb and He's not blind and He's not dead and He's not deaf." But God also understands that He won't put anything on you that with His help can't be done. It was a devout purpose. It was an act of faith. We have this idea, and I preached on this before, and if you don't want to hear it, you won't hear it anyway, so I don't worry about you getting too upset about me. But we have this notion with our giving. And I use giving, but it could be used with our time, our energy, whatever it is. But I use it with giving because people are most prone to do it with this. With our giving, we have this notion that we budget it into our every month budget or every week budget. And it's a set amount and we give it every single week. And we get to where we determine our standard of living before we determine our standard of giving. And it never changes and always stays the same. And do you know why? Because we say, I can afford to give that much. Let me clue you in on some New Testament biblical grace-filled giving. If you can afford to give what you're giving, you're not giving anything at all. What does the Bible say? They first gave of themselves. What does that mean? I think it means that they gave of themselves personally. They gave their time, their energy. But I think it also means that they gave what they didn't have to give. This woman gave what she didn't have to give. She gave it all to Jesus Christ. Gave it all to the cause of God. She said, I'll give everything to you, Elijah. And I want you to notice that even though she did, do you know God provided for her? You know, you can't outgive God. And that has to do not only with your money, but with your time and energy as well. You know what we're bad about? Hey, I'm as bad as anybody. We give the best of ourselves to everyone but God. We give the best of our energy to our family, to our friends. We give the best of our work ethic to our secular jobs. We give the best of our money to our family. We give the best of everything. Then you know what we do? We say, God, this is what I have left over for you. What's the biblical pattern? The biblical pattern is make it for me first. Then you go and make it for you. Now, the woman would have said, no doubt, but there won't be enough left over. And you know, that's what we do. Oh, boy, I'd serve God. I just don't have time to do it. Well, you know, I give more to the Lord, but... I just ain't got money to do it. Well, you know, I do more for God, but I just don't have the energy to do it. And you know what we're saying? We're saying, God, You've asked me to do this, but if I do this, it's going to hurt me. And You're not going to take care of me. and You're not going to provide for me like You promised that You would do. I want you to notice that this woman had divine purpose in her life. She had devout purpose in her life. Boy, I like this. She had a discovered purpose in her life. If you ask 90% of young people what they want to know most about God, you know what they'll tell you? I want to know God's will. I want to know God's will. And usually what they mean by that is I want to know who I'm going to marry and if they're going to be fat. Amen? I want to know where I'm going to live and if it's going to be ugly. I want to know what kind of car I'm going to drive. And if it's going to be nice, I want to know where I'm going to go to college. And I want to know whether it's going to be ritzy. I want to know where I'm going to live. They want to know the particulars of their life. You know the problem? They don't care about the everyday serving of God. Do you know that as adults, we're just as bad about that? We try to live our life in the big picture while neglecting the day today. And every single picture is composed of Thousands of brush strokes didn't happen all at once. It was the day by day by day by day. This woman discovered the purpose of God for her life. And you know what she did? She obeyed. Let me tell you something. As Christians, if we just do what we know to do, then God would fill in the blanks when they needed to be filled in. We all the time say, oh, I want to know this. I want to know that. Are you reading your Bible every day? Are you praying every day? Are you witnessing best as you can? Are you living clean and holy for the Lord to the best of your ability? Let me tell you something. If you're not doing those things, don't shake your fist at God when you feel like you don't understand what to do in life. The Bible says this is the will of God, even your sanctification. The Bible says in everything give things for this is the will of God concerning you the bible over and over and over again gives us the will of god but we want the undiscovered will of god when we won't obey the discovered will of god we find in this passage this woman find out found out what god wanted her to do and she obeyed she followed the lord and lo and behold i want you to see god's provision for her you know when god's work is done god's way it's always done with god's provision When your life is lived to God's glory, God will always provide for you. Look what we see in this passage. I want you to notice that first off, that she was given provision to serve. The Bible tells us later on in the story that from the time that she first honored God until the time that the rain fell on the earth, it did not just say that her and her son ate, but it it said that her and her son and Elijah ate. You know why God gave her... Uh, the unlimited provision of the grain, the meal, the oil, because she was serving Him. Let me tell you the most guaranteed way in your life to see your needs met, your bills met. And some of you that have served God for a lot of years could give a testimony to this. If you'll serve God, He'll always meet your needs. Why does God give us what He gives us? He gives it to us so that we can give it back to Him. That's the exchange we see all through the Word of God. Think of the life that we have. God gave life to mankind. Isn't that what He did? Mankind's sin. And so, God gave His own life to mankind in replacement for the life that man had. Mankind accepts that life and knows new life and salvation. As a result of that, we're supposed to give our life back to Jesus Christ in service to Him. And you know what God does? The Bible says that whenever we get to heaven, if we've been faithful, Lord, He'll give us a crown of life. He takes that life, He gives it back to the believer in the form of a crown, of something of accomplishment. Then you know what we do? You ever had an argument with your kids that was like that? Amen. You know what we do? We take that crown, we pull it off, we cast it at His feet. It's a constant back and forth, giving to God and Him giving to us. Why did God give this meal and this oil to this woman so that she could give it back to the Lord? Why do you think God's given you health enough to work? Why do you think God's given you a family? You know, not everybody has a family. We take that for granted sometimes. There's people this year at the Christmas season, they don't have anywhere to go. There's people this year at this Christmas season They don't have anyone to exchange gifts with. Nobody's going to give them anything. They won't give anybody anything. You've got a family. Why do you think God's given you that family? Can I tell you why God gave you that family? God gave you your family so you could give it back to Him in the form of raising them for the cause of Christ. You know why God gave you that family? Uh, the health that you've got so that you can give it back to Him in serving Him, finding the place that God would have you to have in His local body and doing what God would have you to do. You know why God gives you that paycheck every week? And by the way, your work don't give you that paycheck. God gives you that paycheck. The only reason you're drawing a breath enough to cash that paycheck is because God allows you to. You know why He does that? So that you can give it back to Him. What we want is we want to take what's ours and give God what's left over. But as long as you're doing that, you're not going to be happy. The meaning of life is the giving of ourselves to Jesus Christ. We find that God always provided for her to do that. But not only did God provide for her to serve Him, but God provided her to survive. Always when she went to the barrel of meal, always when she went to the oil, there was always sustenance. You know what David said? David's a pretty smart guy. And David said, I've been young... Now I'm old. Some of you say, Amen. (laughs) I've been young. Now I'm old. David saw a lot of things in his life. Do you know that? I mean, uh, David had killed a bear, killed a lion. He didn't do it when he was three, Amen. But he he killed a bear, killed a lion, killed a giant. He saw himself go from the depths of the miry clay to the throne of Israel. He had seen an entire nation transformed. He said, I've seen a lot of things in my life, yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. David says, of all the things that I've seen, I've never seen anyone that loves and serves God go hungry. God always meets their needs. God always provides for them. I want to show you a final thing, and I'm going to hush. God provided for her in service. God provided for her in survival But I want you to notice that God provided for her in sorrow as well. I want you to look at verse number 17. We'll close. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. I want to give you a reality check that the TV preachers will not give you this morning. I want to give you a reality check that a lot of radio evangelists won't give you this morning. You know that bad things happen to people that serve God? Things that you can't make any sense out of. Things that you can't understand. There's been a lot of talk lately, and if you've watched the news, even if you've tried not to watch the news, you heard about what happened in Connecticut. Everybody says the same thing. It never fails. We've had, what, three, four of these shootings this year, and everybody says the same thing every time. Where was God in all this? There's a lot of answers I can't give you, but I'll tell you exactly where God was. God was present in the lives of His people. I can't understand everything about it. You make sense out of a man going into a room full of children and taking uh, 27 lives, including his own. You make sense out of sending 20 children off into eternity. I can't make sense out of that. But you know, I made up my mind long ago. I wasn't going to try to be God. And I was going to let God be God. He saved my soul. I've learned to trust Him. Amen? And let me tell you something. You're going to have hard times in your life. Don't think you won't. But as big as your problems are, can I tell you, you've got a bigger God in your life. This woman was ready to die. Seemed like no hope whatsoever. I mean, just what you say, why was she trying to find two sticks? Because that's what she needed to make that last fire. And the Bible says she is searching when Elijah found her. It was hopeless. But then God showed up and she learned the real meaning of her life. You may be in a place this morning. You feel like you're searching for those last two sticks. You're getting ready to drown. You don't understand. Can I tell you that God's bringing you to a place where He can show up in a mighty way? When He shows up in your life, don't miss the lessons that He's teaching you. This woman learned that if she gave give first to Jesus Christ, He'd reward her in a greater way than she could ever imagine. This woman learned that if she would give herself first to God, that she'd find true happiness, true peace. Can I tell you that the answer to your life this morning is this and this alone. If you'll give your everything to Jesus Christ, He'll make you something worth talking about, something worth noticing. Maybe not to this world, but He'll do something that matters. The old missionary used to always say that God always gives His best those that leave the choice with Him. You give it to Him this morning. He won't do you wrong. He never has, has He?